Matthew chapter 5 and John chapter 15. Uh, We'll be finishing in Ecclesiastes today, but it's only one verse, and so we'll have that one on the screen. I'd prefer, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there. Uh, Matthew chapter 5 and then John chapter 15. And so keep one finger in John chapter 15 and turn with me uh, to Matthew chapter 5, and that's kind of what we'll be considering. Again, those two passages won't be on the screen. Uh, The last portion in Ecclesiastes will be. So again, if you want to track along, Matthew chapter 5, John chapter 15. Does anybody in here want a Bible that they can look through? Is there any way we can get some of those friends with hands up, some of the scriptures so we can follow along? Uh, Again, I'll say it, Matthew chapter 5 and then John chapter 15. If you're unfamiliar with the text of scripture, uh, they're towards the back end of the book. It's in the gospels. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. I'll give you a couple minutes to get there. And while you do, um, as I was preparing for the messages for this week, I got into this habit of asking a series of questions specifically surrounding this idea of what is it in life that brings meaning and purpose. And uh, I got into uh, this kind of mindset of like, well, what? I wonder if there are certain questions that everybody has, uh, whether you would consider yourself religious or not, wherever you live in the world, regardless of where that might be, uh, are there kind of questions that people have, period? Uh, and I went online and I read a couple books, I looked up a couple articles and I specifically tried to find Uh, authors and writers that were obviously not Christian to see if uh, there was a way that I can figure out what some of these questions were. And uh, here's a list of the 14 most asked questions that I found. Uh, Now these are not all of the questions, but they were by far the most that were asked most consistently. And then the last three were ones that I found in every article or or book that I uh, read. Uh, If you are a counselor or a pastor in here and you need some kind of uh, help on the way home and you're like, I do not want to hear conversations about who fell in love with who. Uh, I would suggest or recommend, like maybe pull out your phone and record some of these questions so you can have some conversations on your way home or maybe write like a keynote down so you can, again, bring these up later because I found that even just having conversations with my friends or my wife about this uh, proved to be fruitful with some of these questions. So here they are, the 14 most asked questions uh, that I've found. Number one, and don't answer these, by the way, just kind of think about them. Number one, when did time begin? Number two, do we have free will? Number three, which orange came first, the fruit or the color? Number four, what is right and what is wrong and how do we know what is right and what is wrong? Number five, what is the purpose of setting goals if we all die anyway? Number six, which armrest is yours at the movie theater? And I'll go ahead and answer that for you. Neither of them if you're sitting next to me. Sorry, you chose that. Number seven, is there an end to the universe? Number eight, what makes you, you? Number nine, is there a reason why you are here at this very moment in your life? Number 10, if Cinderella's shoe fit perfectly, then why did it fall off? Come on, somebody. Number 11, why do people have to die? And then the last three questions, these were asked in every article and book that I read. Number 12, will I ever see them again? Number 13, is there life after death? And number 14, does God exist? I think we can all agree that whether you choose to believe the things that were shared this weekend or camp or or not, we all have questions. I believe actually that we've answered plenty of them 
this weekend. However, there is still one that remains. And interestingly enough, I did not find this question in any of the resources that I checked. And yet I think that it is one of the most important questions that you ought to consider. How do you not waste your life? How do you not waste your life? The book of Psalm chapter 90 verse 12 says this, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Ephesians chapter five verse 11 says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time. Watch this, because the days are evil. And so in other words, our life is short, regardless of whether or not you found meaning and purpose in the Lord or not, what, the Psalm, or what, what, what Solomon said was true. It is like, it, it is here today and it is gone tomorrow. You don't have much time and it could be over in a moment. I don't know if you've ever seen like those weird interviews with people that'll, that'll kind of sit down with the, the man or the woman that's like 110 years old and they're like, hey, what's the secret? And typically it's some odd secret. They're like, yeah, no, I've been eating hot dogs for 50 years and I've been drinking Coca-Cola and I don't do any exercise and somehow I made it this far. You know what I mean? And then there's some people, promise you today, because this is just how the world works, they're 18 years old in the best shape of their life, probably like competing to be one of the greatest athletes on the planet, and they'll die today from a heart attack that they did not expect. My friends, here is the truth, like, like, and I'm not trying to scare you in saying this, it's just reality. I have no idea if you will be fortunate or blessed enough or it is, if it is in God's sovereign plan that you are laying on a deathbed at 95 getting to survey your life, being thankful for all that's happened, or if you won't make it home tonight. Life is short. And so how is it that we can invest our lives and the time that we've been given so that we don't waste it. Life is here today and gone tomorrow. And we are constantly tempted again to waste it. So how can we ensure that we make a lasting difference in the ways that matter? Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, I believe we have it on the screen. It says this, Solomon, after surveying everything that we've considered, all of, all of the search for meaning and purpose, he's saying, this is the answer, this is the conclusion, this is what I've found. He says, the end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. So how do we not waste our life? There's four points if you're the type A kind of person and you're like, I just get to the point, JD. I'm impatient, what are they? I'll give you the four, then we'll pray and then we'll spend some time talking about each one. Here are the four ways in which you can ensure that you will not waste your life and then we'll go through this, so don't uh, freak out if you miss some. Number one is fear God. Number two, keep his commandments. Number three, pray. Number four, love people. It's not that hard, I promise you'll remember them. Number one, fear God. Number two, keep his commandments. Number four, sorry, number three, pray. And number four, love people. I'm gonna pray and then we'll jump into this. Together, Father, your presence is so heavy in this space. Yeah, they're, they're, they're just, you can't manipulate space in order to create an atmosphere like this that is so real. Um, God, we are sensitive to the fact that you are moving and you are present this entire weekend, Lord. And so we pray that as all of us are kind of antsy and excited to get home, we've been preparing to leave. Would you, as we've prepared our bags and our cars, would you prepare our hearts, 
Lord, to go down this mountain changed, new, refreshed. Your word says that, that we, if, if we are in Christ, the, the new man has come and the old man is gone. We are new creatures and new creations. And so, Father, would you now inspire us and motivate us and, and fan the flame of passion in our hearts to serve you with all that we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. amen. How do we not waste our life? Number one, fear God. Number one, fear God. And so we covered this subject in our first message a tad. And so I don't want to like super exhaust the point, but for the sake of the exposition of the text, to fear God is to fix our eyes upon God and, and, and gaze upon his limitless beauty and his power and in his presence feel small. It is to realize that we are dependent upon him for absolutely everything spanning from the food that we eat to the, air to, the, to the air that we breathe to the fact that the literal planet does not plummet into a vast universe because the book of Job says that he hangs it, watch this, on nothingness. He spoke reality into existence with a word and at the same time he knows every hair on your head. The Bible says that he formed you in the womb of your mother. He knows where, where, where the goats eat. He knows how the birds fly. He knows of the, of the rock that sits on a planet billions of light years away that you will never see. He is not in competition with nor in fear of anyone because he is all knowing. He is all powerful. He is all present. And that same God who owns everything and governs everything out of his unfathomable love, chose to save us from our sin and give us life when we did nothing to deserve it and had nothing to offer in return. And so what do we do? What's our response? It is to trust, it is to love, it is to submit, and it is to obey. To fear God is to know our place by knowing his power and love and then responding with wholehearted obedience in everything. I'll say it again, to fear God is to know our place by knowing his power and love and then responding with wholehearted obedience. It is to give over our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength to be used by him to accomplish his great purposes, not what is on your agenda for the weekend. It is a dreadful thing, my friends, to say that God is a part of your life. I was at a conference a couple years ago and I don't want to bash any speakers or anything like that, but this guy gets up there and, and he starts speaking again in good heart and he, and he says like, God is number one. Like God should be number one in your life. And then he starts listing these things and he says, and your family's number two. And number three should be your friends. And he kind of, kind of puts this like, like priority list. And I remember leaving that service and, and getting my group of dudes around me and I said, listen, like, like I, I, I get what he's trying to say and I understand the heart behind it, but that's not really how the Christian life ought to be lived. It's not like you have church and that's, that's like the, the one thing that's the most important and then you got your family and then you got your friends. It is more like you look at everything that, 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 that encircles your life, your family, your friends, the food you eat, how you choose to exercise, whether or not you go to that place or date them or do that, and you say, I'm gonna put Jesus at the center of it, and that's gonna be th the thing that motivates all that I do in everything. He is number one, not on a list, he's number one in everything. This is what it means to fear God. This is what it means to fear God. It is to know our place by knowing his power and his love. 
and then responding with wholehearted obedience in everything, please hear me, because this used to terrify me and it still does. You will miss time, you will waste time, and you will waste opportunities that you may never get back. If you pick and choose the things that you want God to have access to in your life, Lord, I'll come to church on Sunday. The preacher convinced me I'll be there on Sunday morning. But you know what? Like the business that I do on my phone is mine. Like, yeah, I might go to youth group now more faithfully, but actually the relationship that I have that I know you're asking me, Lord, to give up because it is not uh, honoring you in any way. Like that's my business. God, I might even read my Bible here and there, just give her this peace of my heart, but the goals and the plans and the dreams of my life, like those are things that I've worked hard for. God, you can't have that. I'll say it again, because again, it's the thing that, that lights a fire in me because I know that life is short. You will miss opportunities and you will waste time if you pick and choose the things in your life that you want God to have access to. Fear God. Give over everything. Christian, give over everything. Now the next three ways in which we can ensure that we don't waste our lives, they, they stem from a relationship from God like this. And so it all starts there. The next three things stem from a relationship from God like this. Number two, keep his commandments. You can write that down if you don't have it yet. Number two, keep his commandments. So what does this mean? Because there's like obvious confusion and rightly so surrounding like the Old Testament and whether or not we should like still keep the 613 laws in the Old Testament. And what about the 10 commandments? Like what do we do with that? Um, a couple years ago, I had a friend reach out, her and her husband, and they were like, hey, like we're kind of interested in this Jesus thing. Is there any way that you can meet with us? We have some questions. And I was like, absolutely, I'll be there. And so I would go into uh, their place once a week on Saturdays and we'd open the Bible together. We started a reading plan. And I I was just there to kind of answer their questions and guide, guide conversations and things of that nature. And um, it was going incredible until one day I walk inside the door and there's some obvious like frustration on their face. And you can see they're a little confused, they're a little frazzled. And I sit down and I say, is there anything on your heart that you kind of want to get off your, your mind? Excuse me. And she goes, yeah, absolutely. Like there's one thing we really want to talk about. We've been reading through the book of Genesis. It's been great. We've been reading through the book of Exodus and it's awesome. But we got to this one part in Exodus that's a little confusing. Can you help us understand? And they said, well, here's the thing. Like in Exodus, it says that you shouldn't boil a baby goat in its mother's milk. And I was like, okay, I've read that before. And she's like, but no, 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 you don't understand. Like we've also been told at some church somewhere, we've heard it and maybe you have too, that Jesus came to fulfill the law. And so we've been told that like none of that matters anymore. And so our concern is like, what if Christians just start deciding to boil goats in their baby's milk? Like, what do we do then? And I'm just sitting there like, I have no idea what to say to you, ma'am. Like, I, I'm, I'm more confused than they are. I'm just, I'm just, again, it's in the Bible, right? Look it up in Exodus. I promise it's there. But so there's like obvious confusion around how we approach this. What does it mean to keep God's commandments for us today? Now, I want to be upfront and honest with you. This next portion that I'm going to go through is going to be meat. The Bible says that there's two types of teaching. There's milk and there's meat. This is going to be meat. And if you focus and you give me your attention for the next five minutes, I promise it'll bless your life. Does that make sense? What does it mean for us to keep God's commandments for us today? Thank you, thankful Jesus gives us a straightforward answer. Look with me in Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter five. 
says it this way in verse 17, starting in verse 17, Matthew chapter five. Jesus says this about the commandments of the Old Testament and what this means. He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to, watch this, fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And so watch this, Jesus saying, that he fulfills the law means that he perfectly upheld every commandment that was given in the Old Testament and at the same time was the person that each commandment and the entirety of the Old Testament was pointing to as its ultimate purpose. And so in other words, write this down, he gave the law and everything else full meaning. He gave those things full meaning. Scripture oftentimes in the New Testament will call this the mystery that has been revealed. So let me give you some examples. Uh, if you're familiar with your Bible in the Old Testament, uh, the Israelites, the people of God, they were encouraged to uh, create this temple or this meeting space where they would go in and in, and in doing so they would have this encounter with God. They would meet with God in the temple, again in the Old Testament, specifically in the book of Exodus, called the tent of meeting, the tabernacle. Now Jesus, because we have the Messiah has come, Jesus, because we have him, we no longer need to enter into a temple to meet with God, we enter into Christ and now we meet with God. We have access to the Father and the presence of God by being in Jesus and so Jesus gives the temple full meaning. Does that make sense? And then we have the sacrificial system. For example, in the Old Testament you have individuals and the high priest that would, that would confess their sin onto animals and in a sense transfer the sin onto the animal. The animal would be killed and that would give the person right standing with God. We no longer have have to do that because Jesus on the cross, the Bible says, is the perfect spotless lamb that had no sin, was killed for our behalf, and so now in Christ, we have a perfect relationship with God. We have that standing, it's been established because of what he did for us. Do you see how Jesus fulfills that? But it's everywhere. It's incredible, I can talk about this for hours. Pictures of Jesus are all throughout the Old Testament, which is why it bums me out when, when people, and, and, and all the time, just like, don't read the Old Testament, it's challenging. It is challenging, but it's so important. Like, pictures of Jesus are everywhere. Specifically, like, think about Noah and the ark, right? You have Noah and his family, and God says, construct an ark and bring you and your family inside of the boat because my wrath is coming. I'm going to kill the sin, but I'm gonna protect you. Is that not a picture of Christ? When we are in Jesus, we don't suffer the wrath of God, but he protects us. And not only that, but he keeps us and he blesses us. Think about Abraham and Isaac. Isaac is laying down and, and Abraham's gonna sacrifice him. It's a picture of the father and Jesus, except God didn't relent. Jesus is everywhere in the Old Testament. And so Jesus came to give the law its full meaning, but then watch this, this is important, replaces it with his new covenant. He gives, this is why he says it's not gonna pass away because if it passes away, you lose all of the incredible uh, uh, shadows and you miss the meaning. He says, he says that he's come to replace the law with his new covenant and so now this is important. 
Now we look to the New Testament and we look to the teachings and the instructions and the commands of Jesus and the apostles under the influence of the Holy Spirit for for guidance on how we ought to live or in other words, obey his commands. Look at me at John chapter 15, if you have your finger there. John chapter 15, starting in verse eight. Jesus says this, he says, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And then he says this, abide. That word abide also means remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, so that way you can just hate your life and begrudgingly submit yourself to go to church on Sunday. These things I have spoken to you so that, your jo- that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full, and that your joy may be full. Being obedient to Jesus' commandments is the fruit and evidence of genuine faith. And that's not a lot that people say these days, but it's true. Say it again. Being obedient to Jesus' commandments is the fruit and evidence of genuine faith. This is the reason why if you look to the, 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 the gospels, there will be people that will come up to Jesus and, and they'll say, hey, Lord, Lord. And Jesus looks at them and in the most loving, stern way, he looks, at, he looks back and he says, why is it that you call me Lord, Lord, and yet you never do what I tell you to? Why is it that you call me Lord, Lord, and you never do what I tell you to? I have seen so many Christians use freedom from the Old Testament law and and a lazy interpretation of the Old Testament as an excuse to sin and live in disobedience to God's word. It's one of the main reasons, honestly, why I believe many of us are always kind of like unstable. Have you ever met those people where their life is just always chaotic? Like they, they lack joy and peace and they never really have like a sense of direction. Friends, you got, you got to get in this book. Like you gotta get, like, like I, 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 hear, I hear it this way and I like to say it this way. You gotta get into the word until the word gets in you. Like I know it's challenging. I know it's difficult. I know that it's hard. This is the reason why you should be living in community so those that have gone before you can help you understand it. Get into the word until the word gets into you. Please hear me say this because it's important too. You will never be able to obey God's commandments if you don't know them. The psalmist says it this way, I have, I have treasured your, your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Can you say that for yourself? I treasured my, your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. You gotta get in the book. Believe it or not, Jesus has a lot to say about money and spiritual gifts and parenting and how to deal with church issues, what kind of person you should marry, how to forgive, how to pray, how you should speak, how to deal with your anger, your calling, your life, and ultimately how you can live in a meaningful way that pleases God. Do you know that you can? Bible says that your faith can actually please God. The last thing that the world needs right now are willfully ignorant, disobedient Christians. It's the last thing they need. Your friends, your family, your church, they need you to live out what you say you believe. Y'all, I'm in the public school system. I see kids all the time 
in spaces and places that are not like, hey, let's go sing to Jesus. And they are broken and they are lost and they are hurting. And I've said it before, give it five or six years, man. The last thing that they need are people like us that would say, yeah, I believe the Bible. I just don't know what it says. But also, even if I didn't, I wouldn't believe it anyway or, or live it out. Now hear me, I'm not saying that we will be perfectly obedient. I'm not saying that you're gonna do this like, like bat, bat 100. I don't even know if that's a term that you use in sports. I don't watch baseball, I watch football. I'm not saying you do this perfectly. Like we live in a fallen world and we are tempted by sin every day, but please don't hear, me what, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. Do not use the excuse of you will never be perfect to never see progress. The goal is not perfection. Ultimately, the goal is day by day. The Bible calls this glory to glory. You may never be perfect in this life, but you should see progress. Do not let that excuse keep you from becoming a more obedient and faithful disciple day by day. Day by day. And it's hard and it's messy and it's ugly and it's grueling and it's painful, but day by day. And so is the Christian life just kind of white knuckled effort to obey God in our own strength? Absolutely not. Uh, God will not expect you to obey what he won't first empower you to do. I'll say it again. God will not expect you to obey what he won't first empower you to do. And this happens in prayer. Look with me, John chapter 15, starting in verse four. We're gonna read four and five. Jesus says this, abide or remain in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, Jesus says, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do some things. For, for apart from me, you can do like those, those, those kind of awesome things. For, for apart from me, you can do absolutely nothing. Friends, you are not abiding, some of you are not abiding in Jesus and you're wondering why the things that you are trying to do for him don't bring you life and are failing and are exhausting. It's funny, he gives us the word, he says, abide in me, because if you don't, you can do absolutely nothing that is worth any kind of value for the kingdom or his mission. Abide in him. I uh, oftentimes will buy my wife flowers. And so I live in California and we're in droughts constantly. And so they're, they're super expensive. Um, and so Valentine's Day is coming up and I've been saving for four months, it feels like. Um, and so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited, I'm gonna buy her some flowers, but this always happens. This happens every time I buy her flowers. I get super stoked. Husbands, you'll know exactly what I'm saying when I say this. I'm like, I'm gonna get some brownie points. Like my wife is gonna be happy with me. It's gonna be great. And, uh, and so I buy some flowers. I'm thinking they're gonna like live for about two weeks, right? It's just gonna sit there and be the nice like, like thing in the, the living room on the table that's gonna kind of bring this aromatic smell. And I'm like, I'm just so pumped. And I put him there and she comes inside the house and she's like, oh my gosh, they're beautiful. It's amazing. I love you. And I'm like, yes, awesome. Like brownie points, awesome. And then I come back the next day and they're still there. They're, they're kind of doing their thing. The flowers are just like chilling. And then day three comes by and I notice that some of them have kind of fallen off. And then day four comes around and like a few more petals are gone and one of them's turning brown. And I'm like, what is going on? By day five, seriously, by the end of the week, like I got to throw them out. Why? because they're not connected to their source. And so they're useless. 
They are not connected to their source. And so watch this, they die. Jesus says that unless you stay connected, unless you stay close to him, unless you stay connected to the source, hear me, you will not produce what is possible in you and expected of you, which is obedience. So here's the question that I want you to think about this morning. Do you feel empowered? Do you feel strengthened? Do you feel courageous? Do you feel like you are just overflowing with the fruit of the spirit, right? Like many of us know it. Do you feel like, like your normal is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and goodness and self-control and all the other ones? Like, do you feel like, like genuinely, do you feel like you wake up and you're like, God, I feel like I'm empowered and ready to do your will, come what may. Like, I know that it's Monday and we got mile Monday and I gotta go to PE, but God, I'm excited for what you're gonna do in my life and in my circle of friends and in my family and I'm just, I'm pumped about it. Like, do you feel this supernatural empowering from Jesus or do you just feel kind of frustrated and tired and complacent and maybe even indifferent, passive, like it's just another day and your thoughts never trail towards God, how can you use me here? You feel like you're living in worry and fear with anxiety. That's kind of your normal Christian. My pastor said this a couple weeks ago and it, it burned me in my soul because it was so perfect. Your life is perfectly structured for the results that you are getting. Your life is perfectly structured for the results that you are getting. And we don't like hearing that in this day and age because we've been taught that everything is everyone else's fault. Your current patterns and habits have led you to the spiritual condition that you find yourself in. I'm sorry, y'all. It's the book. I'm just teaching it. Specifically when it comes to your prayer life. I know that every time I come and I speak to a room of Christians like this, and I know this because oftentimes I'll have many of them come up and talk to me after. I know that about 60%, a little over half of the Christians in this room are, on, are, are, are operating on empty. You're running on fumes. You are tired and you are, are typically on the verge of giving up on something, whether that be a marriage, a relationship, a friend, a student, a job, a ministry, a church, yourself, or even God. And I have come to find that often, not always, but often the problem was either created, is being sustained, or not being resolved because prayer is, is not valued or not present. Prayer. And so our hearts are not becoming like the fathers. Our, our minds are not becoming like Christ's and we are not being regularly filled with the Holy Spirit as, as the apostles in the New Testament would say, which happens when we pray. And so JD, how do I pray? How do I pray? Here's just a quick practical thing because the last thing that you need is for someone like me in a pink sweater to get up here and say, pray more. And then you go home and you're like, how do I do that? This is what I do. This is not just some like, hey, try this out for you. This is what I do. And this is the thing that keeps me close to Jesus. Matthew chapter six, write it down, look it up later. I'm not gonna have references on the board. Matthew chapter six, the disciples do the exact same thing that you're feeling in your heart right now. Jesus, how do I pray? And Jesus is so kind and he says this, many of you know it. 
He says, pray then like this. He doesn't say pray this. He gives them a template so they can use to kind of reference if they're needing some guidance. He says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive me of my sin as I forgive those that have sinned against me. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. And so what I, and I'm not saying this is the only way that you can pray. Many of you guys have your devotions and that's amazing. Keep doing what you're doing if you feel like it's working. But if you're just confused, Matthew chapter six, write it down. And what I want you to do and what I do every day is I will sit in that every morning, period. It's the first thing I do because I know that if that doesn't happen, I'm not the same person that I am by 12 o'clock. And I will take each phrase and say, God, I'm just going to lift up this space to you. So our father, God, thank you that you are my father. I do not have parents that were good examples for me. I do not have parents that loved me. Thank you that you are a father and you love me the way that a father should. God, thank you that your word says that, that I was once far off and you brought me near. You said that I was once a child of wickedness and darkness and now I'm a son of the king. God, thank you that I have a God that loves me. And your word says that, 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 that you give me good and perfect gifts from your hand. Father, our Father in heaven, God, thank you that I'm, you're not just like some buddy or pal that I'm hoping has the power to fix my life. You are the God of the universe. You are not bound by time, space, or matter. You are outside of these things. What resource do you have that I'm not tapping into? The Bible says that you have not because you ask not. And so God, thank you that you are the king. Hallowed be thy name. You are holy and without sin. And so I know that everything that you ask of me will not lead me to into, into a space where I'm committing evil and, and ruining my life. Your word says that you will work, it out all, work out all things for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose, so I know that I can trust you. And by the time I get to that last verse, I'm telling y'all, I'm ready to go take darkness on for the kingdom of God. And that's not anything special about me. It's the spirit of God empowering me to be obedient to God and his commands that he asks of those that would remain in him. Amen? Amen. Abide in Christ. Don't waste your life. And then here's the last one and then I'll be done. Number four, love people. It's easy, right? Love people. How do we love people? Um, let's look at some examples that Jesus sets for us. Um, four ways, three ways, three ways that Jesus sets for us. He told people the truth. What did Jesus do? He told people the truth. Specifically about life and God's word. And so I want you to ask yourself, do you speak the truth of God's word and stand on it no matter what? Or do you shy back from hard conversations done in love about faith because of the fear that they might ruin your relationship? Friends, how could you hold back the good news of the gospel that saved you? They have an eternity inside of them as well. I don't care what they say. Is it your parents? And they're like, I can't believe I'm sending you to that camp. It's not worth that much money. This is your Christmas gift, so I hope you enjoy it. And you've been sitting here all weekend just frustrated because you're like, man, I wish they would. Hear me. They have an eternity of, inside them as well. Speak the truth in love and stand on it no matter what. If you love them, you will do what Jesus did. Speak and stand. Number two, what did Jesus do? He humbly served people. He humbly served people. I've mentioned this before. Think about it. Jesus, the one who made everything and everyone, he washed filthy feet. 
When was the last time we, we served someone to the extent that it stepped on the toes of our pride? Or do we refuse to, to serve people in certain ways because of our reputation or our age or how much money we might have? That's lower than us. We'll, we'll let someone else take care of that. Jesus washed feet. Number three, what did Jesus do? How did he love? He sacrificed for people. This might be the most important one. Without sacrifice, love is just a word. Without sacrifice, love is just a word. Watch me, God sacrificed his son so that you would know his love. When was the last time making the effort to show the love of God cost you something significant? Whether that be your money, your time, or your comfort. This is what it is to love people like Jesus did. And so how do we not waste our life? Number one, fear God. Number two, keep his commandments. Number three, pray. Number four, love people. This is the only way that you will ever find purpose and meaning in life. Apart from those four, I can say with all certainty, that at the end of your life, if you're lucky enough to get there, you'll look back and think, vanity, vanity, always vanity. I wanna pause here and just say thank you. Um, thank you so much. I've mentioned this to your counselors and your leaders, but I do not take this job lightly. Um, you have been in my prayers for months as I've been studying and prepping for this, and I want you to know from the bottom of my heart, I'm not here because it's a fun vacation I'm here because I believe that in this room, God has put people to really make an impact for his kingdom, but before that, to show his love and grace to you. And so as you leave this, this space and you go down the mountain, do the best you can to keep those around you close and encourage one another to live out the life that he's called you to in Jesus. Amen? Amen. 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 Hey, let me, let me pray for you one more time. Um, I, I started this whole week with, um, with God has something special for you, and I believe that that was true. Um, so if, again, you feel comfortable, let's end how we started. I wanna invite you to just kind of open your hands as a sign of surrender. And let's go before the Lord. Father, thank you that you are a real, true powerful, loving God. We are not here to play games, try and impress people. All that doesn't matter. We're here because without you, life is meaningless. Father, as we go home, would you remind us and encourage us that the reason why many of us in this room feel empowered is because we've oriented our days this weekend around spending time in your word and in prayer and in community confessing sin to one another and we can do just that at home as well. Father, would you keep them close and would you use them for the furthering of your gospel? In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. amen.